Hello, and welcome to another edition of Brian's Budgets, a podcast by Carrick Consulting and hosted by me, Brian Carrick. In this podcast, we'll talk about money and the role it plays in our lives. I'll also offer some helpful suggestions along the way for your money management. Uh, Good morning. So today we are going to be talking about the different types of retirement accounts, Uh, notably uh, 401k, 403b, a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, and finally a 457 deferred compensation account. So this is about as exciting of a topic as we could find, um, but I do think it's helpful. Um, I think that as life goes on, this could be a helpful episode to revisit as well. Um, oftentimes we get plugged into what's available to us in the moment, and then it does become a little bit of a set it and forget it type uh, event, and it can always be helpful to go back and revisit and make sure that you're participating in the appropriate accounts. So at a high level, our first kind of conversation topic uh, are our pre-tax accounts. So just to quickly touch on this, uh, when we talk about our retirement contributions, we are going to talk about both pre-tax and post-tax money. And so if you make $1,000 a month, you know that when you get your paycheck at the end of that month, It does not say $1,000, right? It has a series of deductions removed from it. You might have paid for your medical insurance, your dental insurance, and you might have contributed to retirement. If that is the case, uh, before those federal and state income taxes hit, if you've seen that you have contributed to retirement, you've made a pre-tax contribution. And what that just means is that the amount of money uh, that you contributed to your retirement account was deferred from that state and federal income tax burden in that moment. So what that means is that if you were to contribute $100 uh, pre-tax to your uh, retirement account, you may only see a reduction of $70 to $80 from your paycheck. And the reason for that is that you don't pay taxes on that money and therefore your overall taxable income is reduced and therefore you pay less taxes on that paycheck. Now, the inverse of this is a post-tax contribution. And the way that this works is you have all those same deductions occur, then you pay your federal and state income taxes and that money that would normally have dropped into your checking account is then used to make that post-tax retirement contribution. So in this event that you are contributing $100 to a post-tax retirement account, you will then see a reduction of that check by $100 even. And the reason is there's no funny business with regard to the tax deferral. You are simply making that post-tax contribution. It's really straightforward. So if you contribute 100 post-tax, you're going to lose 100 off your paycheck. So why would you do one or the other? In the event that you are contributing pre-tax money to a retirement account, you will pay income tax on it later in your life when you withdraw it. Inversely, if you contribute post-tax money to a retirement account, you've already paid taxes on it, and therefore, when you withdraw it at retirement, you will not pay any taxes on it. So. Uh, the strategy here becomes do you think you are currently in a higher or lower tax bracket than you will be in retirement and this is an interesting wager at all times because in retirement 
you actually have the ability to drive your annual income because in the event you have a very traditional looking retirement uh, you would then save all of your money until you turn 65 and at 65 you would stop working and in order to finance your lifestyle at that point you would make regular withdrawals from your retirement account and each time you did that that would count up towards your annual income for the year so unlike in our current uh, situation where we are employed by someone we obviously have some ability to negotiate raises or pursue static wages for one reason or another um, but we don't have a lot of control over what we make in a year uh, inversely when you are in retirement uh, you do have total control because if you withdraw fifty thousand from your retirement then you made fifty thousand dollars that year and that's what your income tax uh, will use um, when evaluating what you owe uh, and and instead if you take out a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand that year you're going to be taxed accordingly so it goes back to do you think you're being uh, do you think you're making more now than you will in retirement so if you're in your first job maybe you're making minimum wage uh, chances are you are paying far fewer taxes today than you will be at retirement uh, and in that case you it would behoove you to pursue a post-tax uh, contribution at this point because deferring your taxes today isn't as valuable as deferring your taxes later now on the flip side, if you think you're at or about where you'll be in retirement, or you think, wow, my, my salary is actually pretty high right now, I make more each year today than I will withdraw as an income in retirement later, then pre-tax is the best option for you. So uh, definitely look at that um, within your situation on a year-to-year -year basis, or you may decide to do both. So backing up to our plans, the first plan type that we're going to talk about today is a 401k or 403b. The two accounts are, for our purposes today, identical. Uh, the only difference is a 401k plan is what's used for for-profit companies, and then a 403 uh, 403b plan is what's used for uh, not-for-profit companies or uh, government organizations, uh, so primarily education a lot of times. So. Both of these are pre-tax accounts, meaning the money will be taken from your uh, earnings before it is taxed at a federal and state income level. And down the road, when you withdraw it, you will owe income tax on it because you will not have paid taxes on it to that point. Uh, there are limitations on how much you can contribute. And this contribution limit can change year to year. So for today, we're talking about the year 2021 the annual max that you can contribute to a 401k or 403b plan is $19,500. That is an annual contribution limit that resets on January 1st each year. There is one caveat to this, and that is if you are 50 or over in age, you are eligible to contribute an additional $6,500 in what are called catch-up contributions. Note, you do not need to be behind to make a catch-up contribution. It's just what they're called. So if you are under 50 years old, your annual max is 19,500. And if you are 50 or over in age, then your annual max is $26,000. You should also note that this is a total contribution maximum across all of your jobs. So if you work two jobs, and you are using retirement benefits, maybe you have a 401k at both of these two jobs, 
uh, and you are and you're taking advantage of both of those you have to ensure that you are not contributing more than that annual max total between the two of them so don't think that you can beat the system if you're under 50 working these two jobs and contributing 19,500 through one plan and 19,500 through the other it doesn't work that way and what's even scarier is it will allow you to do it the reason is you are responsible for tracking your overall contributions so even though it will allow you to do it you're not allowed to do it uh, if you make that mistake or in any other way you over contribute to your 401k or 403b plan then you must ensure that the excess is withdrawn by April 15th or tax day every year so those deferrals that are uh, the excess deferrals that you are pulling back out they are going to be taxed in the year they're distributed um, so in the event that you over contribute by two thousand um, dollars so you're let's say you're under 50 your max was 195 and you accidentally contributed twenty-one thousand five hundred. So you're over by two thousand uh, dollars, and you realize this after January first, and you now need to withdraw that two thousand dollars from the four hundred one k or four hundred three b before April fifteenth. When you do so, that two thousand dollars is going to be counted towards your twenty twenty, well, <laughs> in this case your twenty twenty two annual income. Uh, so it will be counted in the year that you pull it out not in the year that it was originally earned. The only other thing to talk about with regard to these 401k and 403p plans is an acknowledgement that you cannot withdraw those funds before you were 59 and a half. It doesn't matter if you retire early, if you've saved enough money and you it's you're 52 years old and you have enough money saved to retire so you quit your job, you retire, you still can't touch these funds until you were 59 and a half. There are sometimes exceptions to that rule, but at a high level, that is the rule. And in the event that you decide to make withdrawals anyway, note that in addition to the income tax you will owe on that money, you will also owe a 10% tax as an early distribution. So it's, it's taxed twice, uh, really, really not worth it, uh, no matter how you look at it. One of the nice benefits on a 401k or 403b is often having that through an employer-sponsored plan that includes match. So what that might look like is if you contribute 5% of your paycheck to your 401k or 403b, your employer will also contribute that 5% as a match to your retirement. So even though you are only reducing your uh, paycheck by 5%, you're going to get a 10% deposit worth of benefit into your retirement account. Some employers are even more generous. Uh, you may only have to contribute 5% to receive a 10% contribution. All of this is good, but it could lead us to an overall limit on contributions conversation. So what does that mean? We've already talked about the fact that if you're under 50, you have an annual limit of $19,500 in terms of how much you can contribute in a year. If your employer is also contributing to that account, the employer's contributions do not count towards that $19,500. However, now we have a new overall max to keep track of. 
So that's the overall limit on contributions, and it is one of two things. It is either 100% of your compensation that year. So for instance, if you make $40,000 a year, then the overall limit on what can totally put into your 401k or 403b in a year is 40,000 because that's your 100% of your compensation. Or $58,000. It's whichever of those is lower. So if you make $100,000, you personally can contribute 19,500 and your employer can contribute as much as they would like to. However, it cannot in total surpass $58,000. So the math on that is 38,500 becomes the max for an employer to put into your account. There is one caveat here. We've been talking as though we are under 50. In the event that you are 50 and over, that $6,500 uh, catch-up contribution does not count towards either max. So in the event that you are over 50, not only can you contribute $26,000 to your 401k or 403b, but your overall limit on the contribution for the account, including employer match, is now $64,500. Moving into a traditional pre-tax or Roth post-tax IRA. These are not often included as part of an employer plan, however they may be. In any rate, you can go to any of the major firms, Schwab, Fidelity, Vanguard, and open up an IRA or an individual retirement account. They're very similar in the sense that you cannot withdraw this money until you are 59 and a half when it comes to the total account balance. You cannot liquidate the entire account until you are 59 and a half without paying early penalty, the 10% early penalty. Now, there are some intricacies here. You, again, would either open up a traditional or a Roth IRA. And the only difference here is whether or not the money is pre-tax or post-tax. So we talked about that at the top of the episode. In either case, your contribution limit for this account is much lower. You can only contribute $6,000 a year if you're under 50 and $7,000 a year if you're 50 and over. Now note that this limit does not apply to rollovers. So in the event that you are rolling over funds into your IRA, you will not be impacting your annual max. However, when it comes to contributing up to the $6,000 or $7,000 of your 50 and over, the caveat on this is that you must have earned income that equals this much money. Now, if you're working, uh, it is likely no problem to earn $6,000 or $7,000 in a year. This only becomes an issue if you are not currently working or if you're working part-time. So for instance, um, a college uh, student who's earned $3,500 in the year, they can contribute $3,500, the amount of that total compensation, to an IRA. However, they could not contribute the regular max of $6,000. The reason is they didn't have the income that equaled that max. There is one exception here, and that it's, uh, and that is if you're married, um, and your spouse has earned enough, even though you're not working, for you both to contribute, then you may do so. So for instance, if we have Sarah, who at age 50 is married with no taxable compensation for the year, uh, but she and her spouse, who's 48, 
report taxable compensation of $60,000 on their joint return, then Sarah may contribute $7,000, why? Because she's 50 and over, to her IRA for the year, and her spouse may contribute 6,000, why? Because he is under 50, to an IRA for that tax year. So again, at a high level, anybody can open an IRA. It can be traditional, which is pre-tax, or uh, Roth, which is post-tax, and the funds that you contribute uh, cannot be withdrawn in their entirety until you're 59 and a half. Now there are some caveats here. You can always withdraw contributions to a Roth IRA. You don't want to do that. The point of your retirement account is to have that money sit there and grow for you when you're old. And that money that you put in there, fully uh, able to be taken out at age 59 and a half, is going to be, uh, depending on whether you went, you, you went traditional pre-tax or Roth post-tax, you will pay income tax on that if it was a traditional IRA. If it's a Roth IRA, you will pay no taxes at all. And that's in addition to the growth on the investments. So not only you know the, the money that you put in it on day one, but all of the uh, uh, growth that, that that money has over the course of you know the 30 years that it's in there will not be taxed in addition. So that's on the Roth. Again, whether you're contributing pre-tax or post-tax today depends on whether or not you believe you'll be making more or less later in your life during retirement. There are penalties if you exceed your contribution limit as well. So in the 401k, 403b, we kind of got a slap on the wrist in the sense that if we went over, uh, we just had to pull that extra out um, before April 15th, right? Um, but the the IRAs, the individual retirement accounts, uh, can be a little bit uh, persnickety. So in the event that you make an excess contribution, you're under 50 and you put more than $6,000 in there, or you're 50 and over and you put more than $7,000 in there in a single year, January through December, then those excess contributions will be taxed 6% per year. For each year, the excess amount remains in the individual retirement account. So to avoid that 6% tax on anything you accidentally over-contribute on, you have to withdraw that excess contribution by the due date of your individual income tax return, which very well may be April 15th, as well as any income that you earned on the excess contribution. So if you find yourself in this position, contact your bank, make sure you understand each of those numbers and work with them to make the perfect withdrawal. The final account type that I want to talk about today is a 457 deferred compensation account. So this is something you may not have ever heard of and in fact depending on where you work, uh, you may not even have an option to participate in it. Uh, they were typically offered to state and local government employees, um, but there are now some different qualified plans that are popping up in different sectors thanks to a loosening of restrictions. So what is a 457 deferred compensation plan? At the surface, it looks a lot like a 401k or 403b. It allows you to contribute up to $19,500 a year or 100% of your income, whichever is less. And that money comes out pre-tax. So it really is effectively deferring your compensation. So if you make $5,000 a month, but you only want to collect $4,000 a month in salary right now, and you have a 457 deferred comp plan that you can participate in, 
you could contribute $1,000 a month to your 457 plan. And that money would just be set into the 457 account and you would not be taxed on it today. You would be taxed on it later. Why? Because it was a pre-tax contribution. So that money just sits there and it can be invested and it grows. And here's what's special about the 457. Not only does it allow you, if you are in a position to max out all of your retirement accounts, to further increase your retirement savings, but the 457 savings can be withdrawn at any time. So on these other accounts that we talked about, you need to be 59 and a half years old in order to withdraw this money and not pay additional fees. With a 457 deferred compensation plan, you still owe the income tax when you withdraw the money, but you can withdraw it at any age, at any time, for any reason. So it really is the most flexible account, and it can provide you with a vehicle to further increase your retirement savings with a little bit of a safety net beneath you, because whereas an aggressive retirement contribution to a 401k, 403b, or an IRA, that money's kind of locked up now. With the 457, if you are in a moment in this moment, you know, have extra money, you can contribute up to that max again to the 457. And in the event that something happens and you need that money or you need to uh, suspend the, you know, the contributions, you could suspend contributions to any of these accounts. But with the 457, you have that safety net to pull that money back out and use it for something that you would like to do. And so that is not something you have the ability to do with the 401k, the 403b, or the IRA. Again, that 457 is unique in that it not only allows you to contribute an additional 19,500 a year to your retirement accounts, but it can be withdrawn at any time for any reason. You do not need to wait until you're 59 and a half. For that reason, those who are hoping to retire early may decide to use this as a vehicle to patch them between that age of early retirement and the age of 59 and a half. In closing, you might decide to do all of this if you are in a position to do so. Having the accounts work together will allow you to not only save as much money as possible, you, you'd be able to contribute 19500 to your 401k slash 403b, as well as 19500 to your 457 deferred comp. That right there is $39,000 in pre-tax contributions. Uh, again, what we talked about at the top of the episode, because it's pre-tax, even though you defer $39,000, you may only see a hit of around you know $30,000 to your paychecks over the course of the year. So that can feel good. Uh, in addition to that, having that IRA, that $6,000 a year uh, in either traditional pre-tax or uh, to, to spice things up, a Roth post-tax individual retirement account, uh, at $6,000 a year, that money could then be withdrawn at 59 and a half and you'd never pay taxes on it again, uh, right? Because you've contributed post-tax. So in either case, just remember this, the more you save, the better position you're in, the amount of money that you put in must be invested. So don't make the mistake that so many have made where you contribute into these accounts, but you don't actually set up an allocation of those funds into different investment vehicles, right? You need to either predefine or manually each contribution period, depending on what the plan allows, select individual investments for that money to sit in. Uh, otherwise, unfortunately, that money that gets contributed over the years will not grow. 
Uh, and when you've invested those funds, remember that in all cases, these for the pre-tax accounts, uh, these total values of the account will be taxed as ordinary income when you withdraw it later in life. And for the post-tax, the amount that the account grows to and grows with, with interest in mind, is non-taxed. Because you initially paid tax on the contribution for a Roth, you do not pay any additional income taxes on the final value of the account. Thanks for joining us today as we talked about the different types of retirement accounts. That concludes today's episode of Brian's Budgets. You can sign up for our newsletter and catch up on content you've missed by visiting carrotconsulting.com. That's K-E-R-R-I-C-K consulting.com. Thanks for listening.